It's Your Health Radio, a special podcast series presented by Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome to It's Your Health Radio with Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and today I invite you to listen as we discuss the question on everyone's mind. When should I get tested for COVID and what kinds of tests are available? Joining me is Dr. Bud Lawrence. He's an emergency room physician and the medical director of emergency medicine at Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. Dr. Lawrence, it's a pleasure to have you join us as always. The first question I'd like to ask you is when should people consider getting a COVID test? Obviously, if they have symptoms, they want to get tested, but give us some considerations for who should get tested and when. Well, good morning, and thank you for having me. Let's talk a little bit about that. I think that's a very important question. So obviously, you brought up the obvious reason to get tested, which is if you have symptoms. And I think that it it may be beneficial. I think we may all know those things, but just to run through it really quickly, things like fever obviously is a very common symptom with COVID, shortness of breath, cough, very common symptoms. They are also muscle aches, headaches, uh, sore throat, runny nose, and a nausea and vomiting diarrhea, which you would uh, also recognize is challenging in the sense that it overlaps greatly with influenza, which we are currently in the midst of our flu season. So it's very important, I think, as a side note, to have patients get their flu shot this year, even if you don't always get it, because if you can eliminate getting sick with a virus that looks like COVID, that ratchets things down a little bit in terms of our concern and the need to run out and go get COVID tested. One one symptom, which would be a loss of taste and smell, is different than flu, and that's something to look out for as well. Now, so certainly patients who have symptoms should get tested. There are also other reasons to get tested. One reason that's common is if you were exposed to someone with COVID-19, and that could be a reason to get a test. Not always. Sometimes you can do a watch and wait or what's called a non-testing strategy. But if you are exposed to someone, and we should say an exposure is defined as being within six feet of someone who has COVID-19 for 15 minutes or more, or if you care for someone who's at home who's sick with COVID, or if someone sneezed or coughed on you, that kind of a thing. But certainly if you're exposed to someone, that's a consideration for getting a test. You can do a non-testing strategy, which is just home quarantine for 14 days and wait and see if you develop any symptoms. If you do develop symptoms, then you would run out and get a test. Another common reason to get tested is actually if you are traveling. Some places that you travel to, some states and some countries, require you to get a test prior to travel. Oftentimes, that would be 72 hours prior to travel, which can be tricky to manage because some tests don't come back very quickly. So that's something to definitely think about. And also to think about, we'll talk probably about different types of tests, but Oftentimes when you're going to travel, they may want an RNA-PCR test and not just an antigen test, which we'll get into more. Well, then let's get into those more. And thank you for that very descriptive answer about when. I mean, this is really on everybody's mind, mine included. And just so listeners know, I already got my flu shot, as has everyone in my family, because this convergence is what doctors like Dr. Lawrence are really concerned for all of us about. Right, Dr. Lawrence? So thank you for mentioning the flu shot now. Tell us about the kinds of tests. We hear all these letters and things flown about. So tell us what tests are available. Yeah, it's so confusing. I really feel for the public because everyone in the community, in any community, has been now been thrust into this sort of need for medical knowledge to function almost. So 
the first main type of test that's out there, I should say globally, the tests are broken into two separate categories. One that tells you if you're positive for COVID or negative for COVID. And then one category that says, have I had COVID and have I developed antibodies to COVID? So those are the two groups of tests. So let's talk about the first group of tests, which is, am I positive or am I negative? Extremely important and useful information. So these tests are really two types of tests within this category. And one is called an RNA-PCR test. Again, lots of letters. Sorry about that. And the other one is called an antigen test. So let's talk about the first one, which is an RNA-PCR test. This test basically takes a swab. There are three types of swabs that can be done. A nasal pharyngeal, which is where they place it all the way back, almost as far as the swab can go into your nose. A nasal, which is just a swab the inside of your nose. And then an oral pharyngeal, which is where they swab the inside of your mouth, sometimes asking you to cough up prior to doing this. All three of those types of swabs for this type of test, they work. The nasal pharyngeal is the best, then the nasal is a little less accurate, and then the oropharyngeal, again, is a little less accurate. And each test is actually given an authorization by the FDA, usually based on what type of swab that they will take. So you're not able to say, I only want to have the oral swab. Don't stick that thing way deep in my nose. If the test calls for that type of a swab, unfortunately, that's the type of swab that you have to have. And so what happens is they take this swab and they are able to pick up particles of the virus, the COVID virus's RNA, which just like we have to DNA that this virus has RNA. And they're able to essentially, on a 30,000 foot level, they're able to amplify with a very special chemical process that RNA particle into many particles that they can detect. And then it allows them to say, yes, this virus is in your body and your test is positive. If your test is positive, we know that the RNA PCR test is a very accurate test. If your test says that you're positive, it is very uncommon that you're not positive, meaning that it catches almost everybody that's positive. There are some times where it can give you a false negative. So it tells you that you're negative when you do have it. But again, this is also fairly unlikely. We feel that this RNA-PCR test is actually a very good screening test to look for patients who have COVID, to diagnose them, and also to hopefully understand if you don't have COVID. Now, usually this test is done either in a hospital setting or sometimes doctor's offices will offer this. There are some point-of-care tests, which means that you can have the test done in the office and the test result can come back in up to usually three to five hours, but it's not an instant test, meaning they don't get your answer right away. And sometimes the delay to get this test can be many days. Now, the next test in this category is called an antigen test. Now, what this does is it senses whether or not you have some part of the coronavirus that causes COVID-19, it detects part of the outside of that virus. So it actually detects a part of the virus and it gives you, again, a positive or negative answer. This one is also done with swabs, the same kind of swabs we talked about before. And this answer oftentimes can come back in 15 minutes or an hour. So this is the kind of test that maybe an urgent care might have or a doctor's office. And these tests are considered to be fairly accurate but not as accurate as the RNA-PCR test. Those are the main two types of tests that you would get that will tell you if you're positive or negative. The second category of tests tells you, have I had COVID? And if I've had COVID-19, did I develop antibodies to it? We currently don't really have a good understanding for how long or how much of an immunity you may be conferred by having COVID-19. But we do know that at least probably up to three months, if you've had COVID-19, you're going to be fairly well protected from getting it again. And it's likely to be longer. We just don't have that data yet. So this 
type of test is called an antibody test. And the main antibody we're looking at is something called IgG. Now, you don't need to know these letters. This is just an antibody that would be floating around in your bloodstream if you've had COVID-19. And what happens is this is a blood test. So now you have to actually have someone draw your blood. But if we draw the blood, you can then understand from your blood specimen if you have these antibodies floating around. And this would indicate that you have already had COVID-19. And ideally, we don't know for how long, but you would be protected from getting COVID-19. Again, we really, unfortunately, don't have this data. We know a lot of coronaviruses give us maybe two years of protection against getting the disease again, but we really don't know for this COVID-19 virus. And this test is going to be more likely to be offered either in a hospital setting, but more commonly in a commercial lab. So you might go to Quest or LabCorp or some other big lab. Your doctor might order for you. They'll draw your blood. They'll send it off, and it'll tell you if you've had COVID-19, which is very valuable information. All three of these tests are valuable. Really, one of the things that from a public health standpoint that we're really looking at now is positive negative, but I think at some point we'll be looking more at antibody testing to find out how our community as a whole has been affected by COVID-19 and how many people have some sort of immunity to it. And there is one thing to bring up about the antibody test is that you can theoretically get this test too soon. So if you just had COVID-19, you may not have developed your IgG antibodies to the point where they can be detected. So there's a little window there where it might come back as showing that you didn't have COVID when you actually have had COVID. So those are the two main categories of tests that you can have, which are all very useful. Well, thank you again. So the RNA-PCR test, when we see people in their cars pulling up to these sites that are doing the test, are they doing the antigen rapid test or are they doing the RNA-PCR? Where do we get a test, Dr. Lawrence? Is it something we have to call our doctor for or are there free sites around? How do we get one if we want one? So that's a great question. So usually when you see these car lines, these drive-through COVID testing, Many of these are going to be the RNA-PCR tests, particularly if they're being run by your state government or your county government. And there are usually many ways to access free COVID testing. I should say that if you have health insurance, all payers, all health insurance companies have basically said at the bequest of the government, listen, we will pay for any COVID testing or treatment. It should be a no cost endeavor to the patient, meaning that you might get a little piece of paper in the mail that says that your insurance was billed for this test, but you yourself should not have to pay any money. So you can get a COVID test anywhere, whether that's at a county testing site or a state testing site, or even in an emergency room or an urgent care. Either way, it should look all the same to you from a payment standpoint. It shouldn't cost you anything. And even if you did not have insurance, oftentimes the healthcare professionals and providers are able to bill a special government account so that you do not get charged for this test. That's something to look into if you don't have health insurance. But if you do have health insurance, the testing should be free. Most of these tests that are drive-through are RNA-PCR tests. There are some, particularly the ones that you would have to pay cash for, that are saying, hey, this doesn't have to do with your insurance. We're just charging you a cash price. Oftentimes, those could be RNA-PCR, but they may also be antigen. So that's a very good question to ask because you probably want the RNA-PCR test. It takes a little bit longer to come back, but it's going to give you likely a more accurate result. Wow, this is so much information to process. Now, I know that you have already discussed what kinds of tests and when we should. But if someone has been, say, talking to a coworker for just a few minutes in the cafeteria, or if my son came in and talked to me for a few minutes and maybe he had been exposed. And along those lines, Dr. Lawrence, a lot of kids are coming home from college and then they're home for the whole holidays. 
Do you advise they get tested before they come home? Kind of speak to the things that people are actually going through right now. These are great questions, and it, these are tough questions to answer in the sense that everybody's exposure to COVID-19 is different from someone else's. Again, an exposure is being within six feet of someone for a total of 15 minutes in a 24-hour period. You know, that's the basic exposure, what we call a close contact with someone with COVID. Now, remember, if you're coming back from college, you're coming from traveling, it's definitely helpful to get a COVID test. And if you're going to be around high-risk patients or high-risk people, some family members may be high-risk. They may have heart disease, lung disease, diabetes. They may be of an older age. Their immune system may not work well. In those situations, if you're coming into that environment, it's great to have a test particularly a positive or negative test, the RNA-PCR or the antigen test. The only issue is that if you get a test and it's negative, it's really only negative for that day and that moment that you got that test. So it doesn't mean that you can't turn positive the next day or the day after that. But I definitely like the idea of people getting tested before returning to home if there are high-risk people in that environment. I think that more testing is always good. It helps us understand better what's going on in our community and how many people are testing positive. Certainly, if you've already been tested and been positive, and then perhaps you would follow that up with an antibody test and you did develop antibodies to that infection, I think that testing yourself at that point is probably not as helpful. And also, if you've tested positive for COVID, we know that patients who have been positive continue to test positive well after the course of their illness. So it's oftentimes not helpful to get retested if you've been positive. I would expect someone who's positive, for example, to still test positive five, six, seven weeks or longer after the course of their illness. So I wouldn't use a continued positive test to put me in a position where I would be concerned about that patient. I think that if you're past the 14 days or so, or your symptoms have resolved, that's somebody who is no longer a risk, if that makes sense. It does. Wow. So much information. As my last question, Dr. Lawrence, if you test positive, please reiterate the protective steps that you want people to take to prevent others from getting sick, whether they are symptomatic or not. And what about in our own home? I mean, I was nervous when my son came home, as I imagine many parents were. If somebody does test positive and they're quarantining in their room or using a bathroom solely just them, I mean, can we all expect to get it in a house if one person does? Give us your best advice as we wrap up about if you do, what do you do to keep the other members of your household well? And then just kind of give us a little summary about these tests that you've gone over so beautifully today. So if somebody in your house is sick, that's an issue where that patient who has COVID-19 is tested positive, needs to be quarantined. And to be quarantined, you'd want to keep them around away from others, generally speaking, hopefully in a different part of the house, or you know, if you have some type of casita where they can be outside the house in a different little tiny house, but not many people have that. <laughs> but if there's a way to sort of segregate that patient away from the other family members, that would be great. I would say though, that I've seen many cases anecdotally of patients who've been at home, have been sick, have not really been able to, to socially distance themselves from family members, and those family members have not gotten sick. So I, in the back of my mind, I wonder if it's going to be a little harder to catch COVID-19 than we think it is, but we certainly have to take these precautions. The other recommendations for family members that if you are in the same house as someone who is COVID-19 positive, that those family members should also be quarantined for 14 days as you wait to see if you develop any symptoms or if you do develop symptoms, what the results of your tests are. So I think that this is something that many families are having to deal with when they have family members who are COVID-19 positive. 
I think you just have to do the best that you can to try to quarantine that individual and keep an eye on yourselves to make sure you don't develop symptoms and with yourself staying away from others. Now, again, just to recap for types of tests, two major categories. First category of tests is, am I positive? Am I negative? Second category of tests is, have I had the disease? And do I have some sort of hopeful immunity to it? Do I have antibodies? And the first types, uh, first category, again, is going to be RNA-PCR testing, which you'll find will be at most hospitals. Some doctor's office oftentimes needs to be sent to a commercial lab to be processed. But the turnaround time is usually going to be at the fastest, about four to five hours, and at the longest, a number of days, depending on how overwhelmed the commercial lab is with testing. We see this anytime we see a spike. We see the turnaround times from the commercial labs start to get up into many days, although they usually promise a one to two day turnaround. And the antigen test is the second type of test that tells you if you're positive or negative. Those tests are going to be done in a doctor's office, urgent care. Usually it's a point of care test, which can give you an answer up to within an hour, sometimes 15 minutes. Very helpful to get a quick answer. And then the second category of tests, again, is antibody testing, which is a blood test. So someone has to poke you in the arm, draw your blood, and send it to a lab where they can tell you if you have the IgG antibodies for COVID-19, which would be a great thing if you just happen to find out you have that, because that means that maybe you've had no issues with the illness, which again, most everyone who gets this illness is going to have very similar to the flu, a mild course of illness. Our healthcare system has been doing an amazing job in terms of taking care of the sickest patients who need to be admitted to the hospital. We are constantly learning and figuring out new ways to treat this illness and things that may or may not work. But even what I tell you today, some of this information may be different a week from now, a month from now, or a year from now. This is a continually evolving process, and it's been a great challenge and great success story to see our healthcare system sort of be agile enough to deal with this as new things come down the pipe. So those are the types of testing. That's what I would recommend you do if someone at home is sick. And again, most important thing is hand washing. Don't touch your face. Don't touch your eyes. Don't rub your eyes and try to socially distance yourself. It's the same stuff we've been saying this whole time. What great information. Such an informative episode. As always, Dr. Lawrence, what a great guest you are. Thank you very much for coming on and clearing up what is confusing for many, many people. So thank you again. If you have concerns, we encourage you to check the Henry Mayo website at henrymayo.com and click on the virus link at the top of the page for more information. That concludes this episode of It's Your Health Radio with Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital podcasts. Listeners, share this show with your friends and your family on your social channels because we are learning from the experts at Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital together. And this was such an informative episode. Share it around so we can all learn together. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening and stay safe. Thank you.